1: Or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now, we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addison's.
1: On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And we appreciate Sherry. She's going to be getting our guest on, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, in the second segment. Hmm, something weird going on with my headphones there. In the oh, second segment. Yeah. Because guest. Um <laughs> it's just it's true. I've I've come to expect it. You Yeah. Anyways, um our guest today is Ken Ham. And uh he joins us in the second segment and third segment to talk about his newest book, Will They Stand? Hmm. Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. And anyone who listens to this program, um man, even if you just kind of dip in and out, you know that this is the kind of thing where the person starts to ask the question, would you guys like to interview? Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Yes. If, if you have written a book, of course, you know, reliable sources, right. If you've written a book, (laughs) okay. About, um, about training children and preparing them to stand for right now, what is, what is upon us? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not coming upon us. It's what is upon us. Um, but if you have written a book and you have a proven track record, uh, the Addison's want to talk to you. Yes. And we believe that our audience wants to hear from you. Yeah. All right. We, <laughs> we have come to discover that we are not alone in mm. our care and concern for our children. Amen. There are many, many, many more Christian parents and grandparents who not only share our concerns, but have the same questions that we have. Yeah. What are we to be doing right now?
2: Right. Right.
1: What are we to be doing right now? How are we to train them? How are we to equip them? And if there's been a gap, if there have been things that we have missed in the past, um, how do we uh, shore that up and make sure that it does not continue to widen this gap that has been created? Mm. So anyway, uh, Ken Ham is going to join us and I am so looking forward to it. I am not done reading this book, but I began reading it in preparation for this interview and it was just one thing after the other. And I have to say this now. I'm going to say this, Will, just between me and you and okay. our listening audience. I mean, <laughs> in our listening audience. I won't say this in the presence of Ken Ham because it will seem a little self-serving, but our listening audience will, will understand this because they're on this journey with us, right? Mm-hmm. But so much of this I was reading in um, Ken Ham's book, and I thought, whoa, this Will and I have been talking about, oh, my goodness. And so it says to me, that by the spirit of God, this is exactly where we need to be. Mm. It just confirms to me that this, for example, our, our audience is going to hear us talk with uh, Ken about um, legacy yes. and how we leave a legacy. Uh, we're going to talk about generational, the mm-hmm. generational aspect that is raising godly children. Amen. And and so much of this is what we talk about. Yeah. On a regular basis that I'm going, okay, it it was very encouraging to me. I just, if I could just be really transparent, it was encouraging to me to know, yes, the one Lord, the one spirit, you know what I'm saying? And he is equipping us. He has promised to not leave us as orphans, right? And so he is equipping us to stand. He's Mm. equipping us as parents and grandparents to train our children and grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And that's a wonderful thing. It is very comforting to me. Let me just say, it is very comforting to me to know that we are not alone.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: I mean, just to say it as simply as that, you know, for the parents that we hear from (laughs) who even sometimes call in, but certainly the ones who write in and are, you know, fearful and Mm. are concerned about what is coming upon us. And I would say, you know, it's already here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's comforting and encouraging. And in fact, I would say this is the best possible comfort and the best possible encouragement we can have. And is to know that the Lord has not left us to ourselves. Amen. We have not been abandoned to our own wisdom, to our own know-how, to our own intellect, or to our own methods—you know what I mean? Like, okay, so then we're gonna do this, and then you know, in the fourth quarter, then we'll do that. No, you know, God has not abandoned us to that. Amen. And and if he if he were to do that, um, we would be hopeless and helpless all over again. Hmm. You know, we don't we don't just need him for the saving of our souls, and then thank you so much, God, I'll take it from there. <laughs> right. right? It's like thank you right. for that thing you did in saving me. Really appreciate it, but I got life to live, so I'm gonna take over from here. No. Every single aspect of our daily living, every single aspect, including including the rearing of our children, the input that we give in mm-hmm. the rearing of our grandchildren, mm-hmm. all of these things are important, Very and the Lord important. has not left us to call audible, yeah, hopefully I use that reference right
2: no, you did this time, okay good good job
1: <laughs> this time no but
2: i I agree with that, yeah, you know, and you know sometimes we may live as though you know. Uh, (laughs) that we're not, you know, actively hearing from the Lord about our Mm -hmm. kids and stuff like that. We sometimes we live that out like we like that's something that's beyond us. But -hmm. God has given us and equipped us as the parents of the children that we have, you know, to raise them. And we need to understand that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. and He desires to tell us the things that we need to know. About our children, you know, how to handle certain situations. And I think sometimes we we act as if we got this on our own or Mm -hmm. we, you know, search some 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 other source. But, man, God is present to help us, you know, in the raising of our children. He will impress upon our hearts certain things. He'll cause us to see certain things that we normally wouldn't see and say, man, you need to pay attention to this. That's you right. know, pay attention to that. Now, I saw something <laughs> uh concerning uh Gabby.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and 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 you really put this out there, you know, with her. But in the organization of the school day, oh, Gabby man. was instrumental in Twice. setting out the schedule, like, you know, mm-hmm. and how it should go. Twice. And I yes. you know, and I see her in the the uh upkeep of her room and stuff man, like that. She's very worldly. After Sam went in his room, and oh then the things that she, I'm like, man, she has an administrative type ability. Like, she, she does, she likes to put things in order. Things have to be, and I'm like, Lord, help me to see that, not only see that, but to nurture that. And like, how can that be used? Like, that can be a help, mm-hmm. you know, to our family. And that's something that she would desire to do, that's something mm-hmm. that she's bent towards. And I think the Holy Spirit, like, you just. In everyday life, you see certain things you're like and, and God is like, Hey.
1: So let me look give at this you, look at that, you know? So let me give our listening audience an example of what this looks like and, and the point that you're making. So when we um, put our family on an official school schedule mm-hmm. where everyone was doing the same subject and changing at the same time, um, this was Gabby's suggestion, right? Even how, how we ought to operate and how things ought to shift and there should be one timer that goes off and, and that subject is done. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little bit more reluctant to do that. I thought, no, the way we're doing it, you know, you guys work. Uh, this is the amount of pages I want you to do and, and you know these kinds of things. And, and, um, and Gabby was um, insistent, respectfully so. And mm-hmm. I have to say that because if not, I would check her. But she, very <laughs> respectfully, I would. Um, no problems. And, you know, she was like, Mom, I'm telling you, I think that this is going to really be good for us. So first time around, I did that and um boy there was a huge difference there was a weight lifted everybody knew exactly what needed to be done Mm -hmm. um everybody was aware of when the bell was going to sound and there was not a question of you know oh do i need to do this everything was just so clear and that was um that was gabby's suggestion based on the way the lord has built her right Mm -hmm. so this time around so we have this next baby and we're back in this mode of like oh man there's chaos everything is just you know and oh man and this one needs help and that one needs and all this so gabby comes back and she says mom here's what i think we ought to do she goes i think we ought to take a look at the schedule again and she goes this time i think we ought to shorten the class times right she says but each person needs to work on a different subject in the same time mm-hmm. but a different subject and this is what she said it goes here's why Because if we need help, right, there Mm -hmm. are certain subjects that we are always going to need your help with. So we don't all need to be working on that subject at the The same same time. time. (gasps) (gasps) I go, Gabby, Gabby, that's brilliant. Yes, you're so right. And she goes, so you just stagger our subjects. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she goes and This is the time that we work in. And so that way, if there's a problem, you can work with us one on one and not feel like the other one is just there kind of just waiting around, not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, That has been such a blessing. We yeah. implemented that. And that has been a blessing because with this new kid, it changes the dynamics of your family. And Gabby is just she. Man, she's just administrative. You know, she, she and, helps and, us execute things. Go right. ahead.
2: No, I was saying, and God desires to to continue to use that. You know, that's one way it, it has been used by God. You know, and at home, you know, but I, I believe long term, there's some things that's going to that she's going to be bent towards. That's right. You know, and I think that's the Holy Spirit that points that out in the context of family. We're able mm-hmm. to see those different giftings and abilities and the Lord will, uh, will tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, pay attention to that. Pay yeah. attention to that. Did she also implement the five minute break or that was already in, in there?
1: Oh, uh, no, I did that. Okay. Um, so All but right. let me tell you what she did. Here's what I here's what I did. She said she suggested shortening the class times. Mm -hmm. Um, because she felt like the class times were too long. And this is what she said. She said, um, so we shortened the class times to 40 minutes Mm -hmm. instead of 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I took the five minutes to give them a break in between because there's always wanderers, like always these people that are just, (laughs) watch this, there are people just out in the halls without a pass. (laughs) And you're like, why are you out here? Who told you you could be out here? You're supposed to be working. And so I realized what they need is is they need a break. But Mm -hmm. it was Gabby who said, because um, we experimented with times on subjects. Yeah. And I gave them 30 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And Gabby said, mm, she said, Mom, 30 minutes is not enough time. <laughs> she said, 30 minutes feels like one minute. Mm-hmm. And she goes, but 45 minutes feels like an hour, you know? <laughs> and so, so she said, what about shortening the class time? So I said, okay, what about 40 minutes? We do five minutes, kind of like... <laughs> It's. I, I went back to my high school days. Yeah. This is the time that you get to change classes. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, they don't have to walk to classes, but it gives them a breather, yeah. and it has worked beautifully, and this is me working with my second-born who I don't have to wait for her to be out in the Mm quote-unquote, you know, working world to know what her gifts are.
2: Right. You know, this is
1: when people have these questions about you're educating your kid at home. Oh, they're just not going to develop well. They're just not going to. Excuse me. I'm far outpacing what you think development ought to be. It's
2: it's, crazy. You know what I mean? In the context of family, you see a lot of the giftings. Correct. You know, you see them. You know, um, thinking about the video Mariah uh, was showing me yesterday. I'm like, man. Th- those things you you miss it, you know, if if you're not aware, if you're kind of yeah. like, mm-hmm, you know, but yeah. the Lord is always showing. I think in the context of family, look at this, check this yeah. out. You know, pay attention to this. This may seem like small now, but there's something there. You know,
1: listen. Sometimes it is, and I, I say this uh, to parents, I say this to grandparents. Sometimes it is so that those things that tend to um, be a a nuisance to us, we look at it and we're like, oh, that's aggravating me. You know, (laughs) those are things that the Lord has given to that child or to that grandchild, to that niece or that nephew, that are things that he intends to use for his glory, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, Gabby is very regimented, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, she is rigid with her time. She, you know, if this is the time we said we're starting, she gets antsy if we're not. And so for a very long time, that kind of aggravated me. You know, I'm not exactly cut like that. You are cut like that. And you <laughs> aggravate me. But here we go. <laughs> well,
2: thank you. Mm.
1: You're welcome. Glad Take it as a compliment. You are who you are. <laughs> and, uh, and And so, but here's what I see, though. I see that those things, the way she's wired... Those things, man, for the glory of God can mm-hmm. be channeled and can be useful to our family. Mm-hmm. And that's what God intends to do. He intends to show us how he has wired our children, how he's wired our grandchildren so that we build them up and we encourage them according to the word of God. Now, you know, because all of the traits that our kids have, um, the good traits, let me say this, all of the good <laughs> traits, they, they come with seeds, All Right. And those are like flaws. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. It's like you have this big, juicy fruit and you bite down into it. And oh, man, there's a seed, you know. And so all of these good traits that our kids have that we value in them. And the Lord gives us the ability to see this so that we don't think that they just like, you know, hung the moon. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to see that, man, my kid is great with this. But this comes with something. mm, That's a flaw. I got to check that. Yeah. You know, you can't be so enamored by your kids where you're like. Everything they do is great. Oh, look, they're talking back. But look, they're using complete sentences. No, you better check them.
2: No, I don't work like that. For the glory of God, you better
1: check them yeah. <laughs> before you wreck them. All right. Aaron the Addison's on American Family 1980s. Radio. We, Well, i just, just trying to keep it old and fresh. Um, the question is, will they stand? Will they stand? Ken Ham joins us on the other side of this break. Please stay right there. Ken Ham, I I feel like for our audience, um, there really is no need for an introduction. And I say that not to flatter. I really don't. I say that because um, the work and the ministry of Answers in Genesis Mm -hmm. under the leadership of Ken Ham has been a blessing to so many families who are in our listening audience. And the questions and the desire and the need uh, for the resources that are produced there continue um, but because there is a bio here, <laughs> and maybe someone's flipping stations or something, and they hear people talking, they want to know who's the guy that talks funny. I mean, maybe
2: talking about me? I'm sorry,
1: oh. yeah, you. That's yeah, yeah you. <laughs> Thanks, Will. You saved me there, um, so many times. Ken Ham is one of the top biblical apologetic speakers in North America. He's the president and CEO. Um, and founder of Answers in Genesis, U.S., the highly acclaimed Creation Museum and the world-renowned Ark Encounter, which, by the way, Will the Great, you and I have yet to visit. Yes. I don't I mean to put you on blast, but take hey. me to the Ark Encounter. Uh, I'm just sure. saying. That's all I'm asking. Sure. As an author, he sold over 3 million copies of his impressive collection of 26 best-selling adult and children's books focused on the relevance and authority of the book of Genesis. He's a husband, father of five, and grandfather of 18. Wow. Wow. Grandfather of 18, Ken has a heart for passing on a legacy of faith and Mm. truth to the next generation, as well as equipping others to defend their faith and share the message of salvation. And he joins us today to talk about his most recent book that asks the question that uh, we cannot afford to ignore, and that question Mm. is, will they stand? Will they stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Ken, thank you so much for joining the Addisons today. I really appreciate it.
0: Hey, thank you, Will and uh, Mickey. You know, I I was wondering whether the unforgivable sin is that you haven't been to the Arkin County
1: yet. (laughs) I think that might be it. I mean, people will weigh in on that when they write us to let us know. But I want to say this, that we were there. um, We were there when the Creation Museum opened with our two littles. We now have six children. Um, At the time, we only had two and we have not been back, and I understand that, that there's been so much that's changed. There's a little boat you guys built there. Um, and so Well, we need you to know, go-
0: <laughs> the, for the Creation Museum, we actually, you know, we had millions of people come to it, and we actually rebuilt and totally redid one-third of it, so it'll mm. be all brand new to you oh, when you come here. And then 45 minutes away, we built uh, this great big ship as well. So now they are two <laughs> leading Christian-themed attractions in the world. Man, uh, so you need to come. Yeah, we do.
1: You hear that, Will? No, I hear it. All right, all right. That's all. That's all. I'm just saying. All right, so let's talk (laughs) about Will. They stand. How is this book different? We know and have appreciated so much of the work you've already done to equip families and to equip children as well. But how is this book different from like already gone or already compromised or raising godly children in an ungodly world? Um, Asking this question, Will they stand? What was your aim here?
0: Well, the aim is really to challenge parents about, you know, passing on the spiritual legacy to the next generation and then Mm -hmm. impacting the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, you know, like the book Already Gone actually dealt with, we're losing two-thirds of Mm -hmm. young people from the Church and very few are returning. And we've seen that. There's been a tremendous exodus from the Church. And one of the things we also notice is that the Church is not impacting the culture as it once did. And uh, we're seeing all sorts of forces of of secularism in the culture, you know, with the LGBT movement and the abortion issue and transgender and so on. And we even see um, some of the churches that are softening on those sort of issues. And as I have spoken in hundreds and hundreds of churches all across America, I've spoken in all 50 states and spoken around the world for the last 40 years. But one of the things I've been hearing a lot in recent times is Like, my kids don't go to church, or my grandkids have nothing to do with church. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm really concerned about what's happening with the future generations. And I wanted to write this book from the perspective of really starting, you know, in my childhood in Australia, Mm -hmm. and the way my parents trained us to stand on God's Word and taught us to defend the Christian faith and taught Mm -hmm. us to have a heart for the Gospel in reaching people with the message of salvation, which Mm -hmm. is what our ministry is all about, and how all of that... God used all these circumstances uh, to lead up to the Ministry of Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter, which is really a legacy of parents who taught their children to stand boldly on God's Word, and at the same time to talk about our own personal lives of my wife and I and our journey, and having children, and then asking the question, how are we to train these children, what does God's Word say, and to enable us to do our best to pass on that spiritual legacy to them. And we have five children. You mentioned four that are married and 18 grandchildren. And it's (laughs) thrilling for us to see our five kids who really stand boldly for the Lord and the four that are married and bringing their children up to stand on Mm. God's Word. What are the biblical principles? And because I'd seen so much in the church of of parents abdicating their role Mm. that God has, ordained for them and training their children, and also to really deal with issues like, you know, what what, what secular education is really doing, what the public mm. schools are really doing uh, to the kids, which has yes. a, an incredible detrimental effect on kids, because the system has become so atheistic and anti-God, and, and many of the kids haven't been trained to be able to deal with that. So yeah. it's sort of a mixture of all of that.
1: Wow. You know, it's interesting, and there's so much in what you just said that we're going to kind of go back to, I think, throughout this interview. But one of the things I just want to touch on real quickly uh, is the very last thing that you said. I think that um, maybe just five years ago, uh, there was still this sort of like hardened stone that you're dealing with in talking to parents about, um, government schools and the education system. But I think even now that's an easier conversation for Christians because it is so overt <laughs> and mm-hmm. it is so sinister and malicious and detrimental to the faith. What's happening in uh, the public school context that I, I think parents are um, they have their eyes open and, and they're I think saying, the question what is can what, we do? Yeah.
2: What do I do? Especially when you uh, build a life that's surrounded by, by both parents needing to work and stuff like that, it's like I see all of this and I see what you guys are saying, but what do I do? That's the question. Well,
0: you know, um, uh, well, I was just you know, in, in thinking about that. One of the things that I challenge people in the book, I challenge them in a particular way towards the end of the book, but look, for all of us, I, I think the whole COVID situation this past year and the lockdowns and the fear that's been created and the weaponizing of things that's happening and stuff that's been so politicized and people don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. We can't, we don't know what's truth. We don't know whether to trust the media, the secular media and, and all of that has has led to people really standing back and realizing, wait a minute, this, this world is temporary. This, this is life mm-hmm. is not going to go on like this. And, and what I challenge people in the book is, look, um, you know, what's going to last forever? You know, your, your house isn't going to last forever, your bank account isn't going to last forever, mm-hmm. um, but it's your children are, because their beings is going to live forever, and yeah. the yeah. Bible mm. says in, in heaven with God, or in hell without God, and then, what can you take to heaven with you? You can't take any of your material goods to heaven with you, but right. you can take your children, you can take your oh. grandchildren, you can take those mm. who, who have trusted Christ, and to make us stand back and look at our own priorities, and When we start to realize, you know, Scripture says, children are an heritage from the Lord. They're a gift to us from God to train and look after. And they're beings that are going to live forever. And when you realize how temporary this earth is compared to ever, then we should be putting a priority and standing back and saying, wait a minute, I've got to make this a priority. And Mm. rearranging our lives. Yeah.
1: You know, I want to, uh, I was really struck by the opening chapter and which I'm in the process of reading the book right now, Kim, but I was really struck by the opening chapter where you really, man, I I, I felt like I really would like to have uh, been able to hang out with your dad, you know, just in, in reading that and reading the legacy that he passed down to you. I, I want you to share a little bit of that with our listeners and um, talk about how that has shaped your life, how the legacy that your father left shaped your life, and then my follow-up question is going to be, and I think this is a big one: what do you think your dad might say about what it is that you've done for the glory of God?
0: Well, you know, uh, I grew up in a Christian home in a pagan country, and mm. uh, my father, he was one. He, he was a school teacher, and he, we were transferred every three years because uh, he would be promoted because he was so good at what he did. In fact. You know, whatever he did, he, he, one of his favorite verses was, and taught us, "Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord." You know, and my mother also always used to drum into us, "It's always God first, others second, yourself last." So you do whatever you can for the Lord. You use what God's given you for the Lord. And and I saw that in in both of them. And when my father actually uh, was dying in in hospital, and he he died about 19 years ago. But when he was dying. In hospital my brother was with him and said to him dad why did you love God's word so much and he said to my brother is that he said his father died when he was 16 so he said then he didn't have an earthly father so he turned to the words of his heavenly father mm. and, he, and he saturated himself in the word of God and one of the things I saw with my father he hated compromise he would never knowingly compromise the word of God and so it was an interesting experience being brought up in in the, a country where there were so few churches compared to America, a uh, percentage of population wise so few Christians. but we would be transferred to a town that didn't have Sunday schools. My parents started Sunday schools, um, or maybe one or two churches, and the pastor was affected by liberal theology and mm-hmm. and so would teach you know, oh a little boy took it his loaves and uh, fishes, so everybody else did the same. He just set an example. My father would open the Bible, go to the pastor, <laughs> and firmly, but lovingly, say what the Bible says, what God's Word says, haven't Come you on. read, you know? And I saw that over and over again, and my father was concerned at the way liberal theology was coming through the seminaries and affecting some of these pastors, and so he started to research. He, he got these books and so on, and he would be researching what the liberal theologians were teaching, and then he would give us the answers. Mm. So that we wouldn't be led astray. He wanted to equip us so that we it wouldn't lead to doubt that would lead to unbelief. And I look back on that and realise, you know, my father was teaching us to defend the Christian faith. He was teaching us apologetics. Mm. Mm. And then he he would always teach us things like this. Like, um, when when he had a study Bible and looking at the notes and he would get frustrated sometimes looking at the notes, but then he would say, I wanna to, want to teach you something here The notes are not inspired like the text. Amen. And the text text should always be used Mm. as the commentary on the notes. And I've never (laughs) forgotten that to this day. I mean, see, when your father teaches those things to you when you're young Mm. and teaches you to acquire a taste for the things of the Lord when you're young, teaches you to defend the faith as something that's missing from a lot of homes today, it has a big impact on you. And and then he, he would say, look, just because something looks like it contradicts the Bible, here's what you do. You go to the Bible, let's look at the words in context and make sure we're taking it according to the way it's written and the language, and this is God's Word speaking to us. Remember that. So uh, look at that, and if there's still a contradiction with what you're hearing, it means there's something wrong with what we're understanding out here, and just because we don't have an answer doesn't mean there's not one. We just have to wait for the answers, because only God knows everything. And, hmm. you know, just lots of things like that that I remember him doing in emphasizing the Word of God. And can you see the impact today? Because what the ministry Amen. of answers in Genesis, yes. Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, we're all about biblical authority, about apologetics, <laughs> about raising up generations to stand on God's Word. And, you know, I, I, my father would be amazed, I believe, was to come and see the ark and the creation museum <laughs> and, um, and and just amazed to see what God has done because really I, I keep saying to people, look, my mom and dad, they never had much materially and, and then the little that they had, they would use whatever they could for their own children and to reach others with the gospel and to, and to stand back and realize that that legacy has led to a ministry that impacts millions and millions and millions of people a year with God's Word and the Gospel, I, I, I think he'd be shocked. Yes. <laughs> but I think he'd yes. be absolutely thrilled. Yeah. Wow.
1: You know, it's amazing, though, because reading what I read about your dad and how you opened with that, um it it made a lot of the presentations that i've seen you give make sense you know this sort of like this frustration over say for example you know we wallpaper nurseries with animals hanging out overside a boat <laughs> and and this frustration that the word of god is worthy that we should defend the truth and not allow for this compromise that has happened not only in our culture but also in our churches and i kind of want to turn our attention to our churches here in the short time we have before the break Um, You mentioned parents abdicating their roles. I think so often parents don't realize that they have abdicated their roles because they think, well, I commend them to the church. And so Mm -hmm. the church is going to do what the church is, quote unquote, supposed to do. And that is make disciples are robust followers of Christ. But I don't think that that's what God anticipates. It is our job as parents to make followers, to make disciples. Is it not?
0: Well, what what does the Bible say? That's what my father would always say. What does the <laughs> Bible say? Right? And Come it says, on. The fathers to, ch- to the children shall make no one no truth. Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, mm. teach your children so they'll teach their children. Psalm 78. Fathers, teach your children so they'll teach their children. You know, the, the Bible gives roles <laughs> to fathers and mothers. And unfortunately, I, I, I believe many have abdicated their roles, handed it over to the church or to the school. But, you know, even think of it from the perspective of the church. What? Kids go there for an hour or maybe two hours at the most per week, and then they go to school. Ninety percent of kids from church homes go to public schools for how many hours a day and watch television and get on the Internet? Who's really influencing them? Mm -hmm. Who's really having the impact on them? And that's what parents need to realize is children are given to them, Mm -hmm. um, and, and therefore it's their responsibility before God how to educate them. and They've got to look at what God's Word says about how to do that. Mm.
1: Amen. You know, this is this would be a cultural shift for many churches in America, but this is not a new revelation because, as you state, I mean, it's already clearly laid out in Scripture what God expects of us as parents. We want to grab this break and come back, continue talking with Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis, the book, his latest, Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. We'll continue our discussion on this uh, right after the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Don't go anywhere. Addison's on American Family Radio. Boy, we appreciate you spending this hour with us every day. Uh, We don't take that for granted, not for a second. Um, I'm Miki.
2: And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham with Living Hope.
1: Our guest today is Ken Ham, and we are discussing his latest book, Will They Stand? Parenting Kids to Face the Giants. Um, And, you know, when when we first started out doing things like this, started out um, encouraging parents, we would say the giants that are coming, or actually, we would say the onset of the culture is coming. It's coming. And now we are saying we are here. Yeah. Um, and we see the changes happening so rapidly, which to me um, tell us that we we are nearing the end of the age. We see these things increasing. Um, anyways, and so the question is, the question is, will your kids stand? Are you mm. raising them to stand? Before we go back to um, our guest and, and, and have continue our discussion, I want to take the opportunity to give away one of the books that we have here. Um, Ken and his team were kind enough to send us an extra book and I want to bless one of the parents or grandparents listening to the program. So if you are caller number five at 888-589-8840, Sherry B will take your call, get your information and uh, we will send you the book. Will they stand? And hopefully it will be a blessing to you. Um, I don't know, maybe you'll read it and pass it on. We cannot um, get this information in too many hands, right? <laughs> right. Uh, Man. 888-589-8840, mm-hmm. and of course we'll let you know all the information you need to know so that you can purchase your copy mm-hmm. as well. I would imagine going to Answers and Genesis' website would be the first place that you'd go. Am I right about that, Ken?
0: Absolutely. AnswersinGenesis.org is the place to go for Uh, our main website for information about the entire ministry and lead you to all the other websites as well.
1: When you talk about um, legacy and you talk about this foundation that um, we as parents are building, there's one of the things that you point out in the book, and I think that this is such an important point to make. um, The question about legacy and um, what we leave for our kids is not whether or not we will leave a legacy, but it is what type of legacy we will leave for our children. How do we live now to ensure that we've left the type of legacy that glorifies God and equips our kids to stand?
0: Well, that's a good question. And, you know, a lot of people when they think of legacy often think of material things like, Mm -hmm. you know, how much money I'm going to leave them (laughs) or, you know, leave them, you know, my house or whatever it is. But the most important legacy, and sort of what I alluded to before in talking about, you know, the fact that uh, material things don't last, you know, but, but we are going to last because mm-hmm. our soul, every human being is going to last forever and ever. And so really, how do we ensure that we pass on a spiritual legacy and, you know, the type of legacy that we should be leaving? You know, it's interesting in Malachi 2, when, you know, the Israelites were divorcing their wives and marrying pagans and so on. The prophet asked a question. And it's a reference back to Genesis, actually. Mm-hmm. Why did God make two one? In other words, why did <laughs> he make Adam and Eve one? Why, why did he make marriage? Because remember, in, in Genesis 2.24, it says you become one because you're one flesh. And so the question really is, why did God make marriage? Why did he make um, the foundation for the family? And the answer is given because he sought not just offspring but godly right. offspring. amen so you are to produce godly offspring who will influence the world of jesus christ who'll marry godly offspring who'll produce godly offspring mm-hmm. and generation after generation that's what it should be but if you lose that and you can lose it in one generation then it's very hard to get it back and i i, I for instance in the book one of the examples i give in how to raise a godly offspring how to pass on that spiritual legacy uh, we, we you'll get to it if you haven't got to it yet, but I talk about that food that uh, Americans sort of grimace at, if they know anything about it, that uh, we love in Australia, called Vegemite. And uh, Vegemite's a black paste. It's very salty. It's sort of, you know, they've got so much stuff left over from the sludge of the breweries so they have to do something with it, right? So they turn it into, <laughs> turn into Vegemite and sell it. And, you know, it's, it's something that you don't eat by the teaspoon. I mean, it's not like chocolate paste or anything. Uh, you, you get a cracker and you put some butter on it, and you put a little bit of Vegemite on top, and it's got that salty uh, taste. And you know, you can put a bit of cheese on it to help soften that a bit. But um, a lot of Australians, like myself, are just yeah, you know, we're addicted to Vegemite. You give it to the average American, they spit it out and they think you've ruined their taste buds for the next million years. You know, so why is it that we love Vegemite? And there's a point in, in talking about this because Vegemite is Salty, so start to think about what the Bible says about salt. And so our parents, you know, particularly our mother, when we're born, they she starts to put a little bit of Vegemite in our mouth. Now and then we get to acquire a taste for it. And so we grow up loving Vegemite because we acquired a taste for it as a young child. Mm-hmm. I contrast that uh, over here in America, pickles. You people love pickles. I mean, pickles, they're <laughs> disgusting. I mean, they're horrible. And why do you, uh, you know, if you, when, they, when I go and order a sandwich at a deli and they put pickles in with a sandwich, it destroys it. I mean, it's, <laughs> the whole smell, taste permeates it. And, and I say to people, why do people like pickles so much? And I realized you were taught to acquire a taste for pickles from when you were young, and that's why you don't understand how bad they really are. You <laughs> um, don't understand. So, <laughs> so here's the point, though. You know, what What did uh, Paul say about Timothy? Um, that mm. you were taught the things of the Lord mm-hmm. um, uh, as a child. Yeah. From Amen. a child, you were taught the things of the Lord. And the Bible says that we're to be salt. You know, uh, you're to be the salt of the earth. Mark 9.50 says, have salt in you. And a challenge I had to parents is this. You know, your your kids can't be salt till they have salt. Mm. You know, sometimes I've heard the argument... Or our kids need to be in the public schools because um, we've got to be the salt of the earth.
1: Come on, Ken. But
0: wait a minute. If they don't have salt, mm. how can they be salt mm. of the earth? Not only oh. that, Matthew 5 says, if the salt's contaminated, it is good for nothing. Mm. You can't send your kids out to a system without being filled with salt, which means you know uh, the truth of God's word, equipped to be able to fight the giants that are out there today. Otherwise, what happens is, you send them out to a system that pours in tons of contamination and there's hardly any salt there and we wonder why we're losing them. And so we need to train our kids right from when we're born. Look, when when our first child was born, our son Nathan, and I looked through the little uh, glass window, there he was in a little crib there, and he looked up at me and then he wanted to know my views of eschatology and soteriology <laughs> and we had a really in-depth theological discussion. Well, of course not. When our children are born, they don't know about the Bible. They don't know about Adam and Eve. They don't know about the fall of man and sin. They don't know about um, the flood of Noah's day, the Tower of Babel. They don't know about Abraham or the babe in a manger or Jesus on the cross, the, the resurrection. The knowledge of God is there because God said it. It's evident to all. He's placed us there without excuse. Mm -hmm. The law is written in our hearts. We have a conscience, Romans Mm -hmm. 2. But our job as parents is to start filling them up with biblical salt, with that truth, and understand we've got to equip them for the world around us, give give them answers for what they believe. We've got to get them ready for what the world is going to do to try to stop them believing God's Word, which is what our parents did for us, to teach them to acquire a taste for the things of the Lord from when they're young, pouring in that biblical truth, equipping them ready for the world with as, with as uncontaminated as possible. And, you know, there, there's no guarantee, of course, because everyone has to answer for their own sin. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, the impact that that had, the way my parents trained us and, and sure. all the children, who, uh, the six of us, who love the Lord, and then in our family, my wife and I passed it on, spiritual legacy onto our five children who are now passing it on to their children. You know, that's what we need to be doing.
1: You know, I think that there are so many of our listeners who are just sort of curious to have a peek inside the ham home. Like, you know, what, what does that look like? You know, the, the, the question is, okay, maybe you don't start with, you know, um, having your kid make a DVD for you on a biblical defense of the Genesis flood, you know. Um, but how, do, how did you start with your kids? What practically does that look like?
0: Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good question. One of the things that I, we recognize is that you know, kids are eager to learn. And we and we also know that they're sinful creatures, right? All have sinned, I'm sure, to the glory mm-hmm. of God. Amen. So we also recognize. That they're already biased against God. Think about that. They're mm. already biased against God. Wow. So we recognise we're going to have to work hard here. Right. <laughs> uh, so in other words, as we pour salt in, it's going to pour out the bottom. So we're going to have to <laughs> we're going to have to work really hard. So that was one thing that we recognise that diligence of us as parents of making the time wow, to do that's this good. right from when our kids were born. For instance, as one example, you know what we started doing? Um, we started then. Uh, you know, if they they become aware, even as little babies, we started to show them books and just point to pictures, and things, and and those books would include, you know, accounts of, uh, you know, of things from the Bible, mm-hmm. and uh, also you know dinosaur books that were creationist and so on, and we would show them these pictures, and then as they get older, um, we would start to tell them what they mean, and then. Uh, eventually we would even read uh, the words that were there, and then eventually they could start to read the words that are there, and they became their favorite books. And, and so we spent that time, and, you know, as a family, every night, uh, we would get together as a family and have a special devotion time, and we would teach them from the Bible, apologetics, we would even sing songs. We we would teach them um, the, those choruses we all used to sing as little kids in my day. We would as we travel around in the car. That's what we would sing. That's what our parents did with us. Mm. We would see how long, uh, when I was a little kid growing up, uh, as we traveled in in the car to go visit Grandma or whoever, we would see how many uh, choruses that we could sing uh, based on God's Word until we got there, that sort of thing. Mm. So We even did that with our own children and recognized, too, we're not going to hand them over to the world to mm. educate them. We want to to look for a place that can help us educate our children, starting from God's Word. And, you know, if if, if, if you want a little insight into um, the Ham family too, uh, towards the end of the book, our eldest daughter, Renee, she actually founded a Christian school. Some of our kids are involved in homeschool, some in Christian school. She founded a Christian school under Genesis called Twelve Stones Christian Academy. And it's very unique because we use Christian textbooks, not secular textbooks, because you very can't good. Christianize the secular philosophy.
1: Uh-huh. And
0: we want to raise up kids to, to think logically, so we teach logic and so on, but, but also to have a true Christian worldview, to know why they believe what they do and what they believe about marriage and how to deal with all these issues in the culture today. And she's written a chapter in the book. And as you read that chapter, mm-hmm. you're seeing, the, the, the result of uh, a godly offspring who herself now is influencing many, many others, and you'll see her whole philosophy and the, and the biblical worldview that she has <laughs> um, and, and how that has matured in her, and that, that's the way in which our children are brought up. And now she looks after this Christian school with all these kids in it that are also now helping parents to bring their children up founded on the Word of God.
1: Wow, beautiful! That wow. is beautiful. We are almost out of time. We got a couple Dang. minutes, but I really want to ha- have you encourage dads. You you've got a chapter in this book for dads, the important role of dads. Talk a little bit about that as it pertains to legacy and preparing our children to stand.
0: Well, you know, sadly, one of the things I've seen that so many fathers have abdicated their responsibility and have not Mm -hmm. taken on the God-commanded responsibility to be the spiritual head of their wife Mm -hmm. and spiritual head of their family. Mm -hmm. And that's what I encourage fathers to do. And I've even had many fathers come to me and say, my father never did that. I don't know how to do it. How do we do that? And I encourage fathers, look, first of all, God. God's Word does tell us how to do that. You know, for instance, Deuteronomy 6, everything you do when you walk, when you lie down, mm-hmm. when you rise up, when you sit down, you're teaching your children. And that's why Answers in Genesis exists. We have lots of different materials to help you. Uh, we even have a whole Sunday school Bible curriculum, which we've turned into now a homeschool curriculum, You can to, to, to teach your children through the Bible, but teach them apologetics, teach them how to defend the faith. And you can learn with them as you do this, but spend time with your children, take time, every day to spend with them, show them that a priority in your home is the Word of God and learning and teaching the Word of God. And every morning, you know, to, to pray with them and have devotion before before they leave the house. And, you know, with my wife and I, we pray together every morning. We pray together every night. Pray with your wife. How many, how many husbands really pray with their wife and pray hmm. for their children? And that's what we always make sure uh, that we do.
1: Man, you know, listen, Ken, you are a blessing to so many of us in the body of Christ. And, you know, even as I read your book and uh, understanding or learning that there were questions that you had that you took to your dad. And even though your dad didn't have the answers, the one answer he had was that the Bible is true that the Bible is the Word of God, and that is the starting point, must be the starting point for so many of our parents and grandparents listening. You may not have all of the answers, although there's no excuse now because you have answers in Genesis, uh, <laughs> dot org. but you must start with the, the conviction that the Bible is the Word of God, and it's true. The book is Will They Stand? Will They Stand? Ken Ham is the author. You can go to AnswersInGenesis.org and get yourself a copy. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.